take having God's word in our hand for granted. And uh, you think, as Dean prayed tonight, just the ability to read it, as we're going to do here in a moment, to be able to read God's word is um, really something we don't think about a lot. We just take it for granted. We have, as Dean said, many copies of it. We don't even realize just how blessed we really are to uh, be able to gather together tonight. And, um, and yet, at the same time, there are many. There are many who do take it for granted and don't even give it a thought, which is very unfortunate. Amen. And as you get older like I am, there are things that begin, you begin to cherish more. And uh, time with your families. You're young. Some of you are young and raising your children. And Brother Gina, right? I mean, it goes by so fast you don't think, you don't take time to really enjoy it. And uh, so when you get older, you do that. <laughs> you try and enjoy the things. And certainly God's Word is one of those things that we are going to be able to enjoy um, this evening. And so let's uh, turn in our Bibles together to the book of Revelation. And uh, we'll be reading verses 11 through 18. And uh, we won't get all the way through it, but we're going to read it in context. And um, we'll move along as the Lord would certainly lead us. And brethren, as we believe and as we say, these are indeed the words of God. Yes, they are. Look at verse number 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth, and them that dwell therein, to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying unto them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all. <laughs> this is a very encompassing text here, brethren. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Some very distinguishing uh, words there. Verse 18, here's wisdom. And again, brethren, this is really the, the end of it all, the summation of it all is here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred three score and six. Well, brethren, again, as we are moving along through the book of Revelation, the Spirit of God here again introduces us to another beast, which literally means another of the same kind, which means it is a close relative to the first beast that we have been studying here in chapter 13. Just as the Antichrist, and again, brethren, we looked at this all together, just as the Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist will indeed culminate in the final Antichrist, the beast out of the sea, which we looked at at the beginning of chapter 13, so too will the totality of false prophets culminate in the anti, if you will, in the rise of the final prophet, if you will, the false prophet, of whom John is describing here in verse number 11 as the beast out of the earth. And I want us to see this again together. There is a 
again, we talked about a time, if you will, of preparation for this to take place. And as the, fall, the first beast is who he is, so also the second beast. There is a time of preparation. There is a time in which these false prophets will culminate, and it will culminate in the final false prophet, which I believe is being spoken of here in our text this evening. I want you to see what Jesus himself said. Look there again at Matthew chapter 24 as he addresses this issue. And again, we, we see these things, brethren. It's such a stunning thing. Just the, the, rel- you know, the, the, the great um, need that we have for God's word and how relevant it is for us even today. But you look here, if you would, at Matthew chapter 24. And look how Jesus again addresses. And again, as we look here in Revelation chapter 13... This, again, is a culmination of what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 24. And again, we keep going back here because this is such an important portion of the text. This is something that Jesus is speaking about in the future, which even our text is in the future. But these are things that are all tied and threaded together, which are designed, brethren and sisters, for our good. Amen. For us to be discerning, for us to be able to look and say, all right, what is that really? Biblically, what is that? What's happening? What's taking place? before our eyes, and uh, we look here at Matthew chapter 24, look at verse number 8, look there with the Bible, it says, all these are the beginning of sorrows, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall what? Shall rise, and shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now again, brethren, there's many things there that Jesus said, but the idea here is that there's going to be many false prophets that are going to arise, that are going to deceive the people, and they're going to, again, this false prophet's going to lay the groundwork, amen. The mingling of the first beast and the second beast together is quite a thing in Scripture. The dragon, who we saw in chapter 12, is Satan himself, is the anti-father. And again, anti, we're going to define that again. He's the anti-father. It's a stunning thing how he continues to mimic the things of God. It's a stunning thing how he counterfeits them, if you will. More than mimic, but counterfeit them. And really, this is what we see over and over and over again. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, of those who have the Spirit of God living in us, we must be discerning concerning these things, brother. We mustn't just wander around with our heads in the sand. We must be, has the Spirit of God to help us to be discerning concerning these matters. As the Satan is the anti-father, the beast rising out of the sea that we looked at certainly is the antichrist. And this beast rising from the earth is indeed the anti-Holy Spirit, the anti-Holy Ghost, if you will. And we see here by way of his description and his action that this beast will indeed be, brethren, a deceiving, lying, religious, I believe, leader. And I believe this culmination as we look at this, as we look at our text this evening, a lying, deceiving, religious leader, brother. And again, <laughs> I was talking with someone last Lord's Day, amen, and we were talking about the persecution that came when the church, <laughs> Bible-believing churches, as I said, amen, when we figured out what was actually going on with this whole thing, amen, with this whole you know, COVID-19 and all this business, right? all this business that they were trying to hoist upon us. When one figured that out and we said, you know what? No, we're going to gather together. We're going to continue to gather together. We're going to be with one another. We're going to gather around the Lord's table. We're going to sing hymns unto the Lord. We're going to, amen, be with one another. 
Do you remember where most of the persecution came from, brother? Most, some of it came from outside. Most of it came from where? From liberal churches who are deceived. It's a stunning thing to behold. And this is the same thing. This religious leader is going to rise up, and he's going to deceive many. It's a most stunning thing. In fact, John warns us concerning this. Look back there at Revelation chapter 13. Look what he says concerning this deceiver, this second beast, if you will. Look back at Revelation chapter 13. Look what he does. And again, this calls, brethren, for great discernment. This calls for you and I to be Bible-believing Christians, ones who are students of the Word of God, ones who, brethren, know the Word of God and understand the Word of God. That is what's going to keep us straight, brethren, not your emotions, nothing else. It is God's Word that will help to keep us straight. Look there again at Revelation 13. Look how John describes what this beast will do. Look there, if you would, at verses 13 and 14. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which, he hath, which had the wound and the sword and did live. <clears throat> so again, we see here this unholy beast who is definitely, brothers, going to be deceiving people with deceptive miracles. <laughs> this is why it's so important. <laughs> well, we're going to get into this a little bit. It's so important, brethren, to never, ever. In fact, we're going to see what God told us concerning workers of miracles. If It's Wednesday evening. If I could ask you, I know you would know the answer to this. We're going to look at this. But what is the first thing that God has told us to always judge any miracle worker by? And we're going to look at that, amen? It's not the miracles that are taking place. Not, not even close to that. In fact, many on many occasions, God tells them to ignore that. You know what he tells us to judge those who are doing these things, which this deceive, deceiving religious leader will do? You know how he tells us to judge it? Well, we have to judge him by his message. Is it lining with the word of God? Don't look at the miracles. We're going to see this. Look at whether or not what they're saying and what they're preaching aligns with God's word. That's literally the warning God gives to us. Look at Revelation 16. This Unholy trinity, this false prophet that is mingling together with the beast and the dragon. It is a most, again, amazing thing as we have seen. And again, I'm going to remind you because I need to be reminded of this most unholy unity. This most unholy trinity, which again counterfeits the trinity of God. It's just a stunning thing. It never ceases to amaze me. As I said last week, we don't realize how much he hates us. We don't realize the deception that he is going to be hoisting upon many and already is in so many ways. So many ways. Look at Revelation 16. Look at verse number 13. Again, the hoisting of the unholy trinity. Look here if you would. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. There he is. There's Satan, the anti-father. That's him. And what's an anti? Remember what it means? It doesn't mean, to, it doesn't mean necessarily to be against. It is one who opposes. But it's one who takes the place of and puts, his, puts himself in his place. This is the dragon. This is what he does here. Look, out of the mouth of the beast. There it is again. The beast in Revelation 13, 1 through 10. And then finally, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, which is where we're at 
in the end of you in the ending verses of chapter 13 the false prophet the unholy trinity this thing that is counterfeiting god and will continue to do so by way of false miracles and false wonders if you will and again brother this is a serious matter the unholy work as i said of the first beast mingled with the unholy work of the second beast and the dragon will bring unity to an unholy worldwide ecumenicalism This is what's going to happen. This is even what we see now. To a large degree, big, large, huge denominations are taking down their, if you will, and I know, ooh, this sounds bad, taking down their sectarian walls, which we need to build back up again. This nonsense of tearing down your walls and doing all those sorts of things. You tear down your walls and you're going to have nothing left. We must build these foundational sectarian walls because there's God's truth and then there's Satan's unholy lies and everything else. And we must build these sectarian walls around the fundamentals of holy scripture or else we too will be sliding down that slippery slope. And this worldwide ecumenicism will be dedicated to the unholy worship of the Antichrist. Look at verse 12 of Revelation 13. Look at this. This is precisely where it goes. Look at verse number 12. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to what? To worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. There is an ecumenicalism coming, brethren. In the end times, as we see here in Scripture clearly tells us, like we've never seen before. But again, there is a preparation time for that. We're tearing down all those fundamental things. Oh, those, those, those Bible-believing Christians, those who believe the Bible, the Word of God, they're nothing but a bunch of terrorists. They're nothing but a bunch of radicals, and we've got to get rid of them. This is how it works. So church after church after church is failing and falling and giving into it. It's an amazing thing. That's why this conference coming up, brethren, is so important for us. We're going to hear from other men who are pastors of other good, faithful, Bible-believing churches to encourage us, brethren, to stay the course, to keep our feet shod with the readiness and the preparation of the gospel. This is what we must do. The first beast and the second beast together will indeed bring forth this worldwide ecumenicalism and they ones those people of the earth as we're going to see here in the scripture will indeed be forced to worship the beast look there if you would at chapter 13 look at verse number 11 again there's many things here and again we really see the deception we see the deception that he is going to hoist one of the first portions of his deception is this look at verse 11 and i beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a what? Like a lamb. Careful, brethren. Careful for that description. You realize this is the only place in all of the book of Revelation where lamb does not refer to the Lord Jesus Christ. In all of the book. Look at the cunning and deceptiveness of this. Very cunning. He's coming what? Like a lamb. (laughs) with two horns. It's a stunning thing, brethren, when you consider what he's taken. But listen, and he spake as a dragon. What a glorious description John gives us here of this 
false religious leader. Here lies a portion of the second beast deception and that it is the only place, as I said, in the book of Revelation where it does not uh, reference, where lamb does not reference the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us here that this beast masquerades as a lamb. And again, this is the deception in all of it. Unlike the first beast, who was a ravaging evil, people could see it. He was shelling death everywhere. Not this one. He's coming as a lamb. A lamb. Masquerading as a lamb. Brethren, it's an amazing thing. With two horns, in fact, John says, suggesting that the false prophet will be much less terrifying and overpowering than the Antichrist. In other words, this gentle-mannered false prophet will deceive many with his mild mode of operation. Think of this, brethren, for a moment. <laughs> and I don't like to pick on, you know, Joel Osteen. <laughs> He's a mild-mannered devil. That's what he is. Oh, them are harsh words. No, actually, that's a description of what this second beast is going to be like. Very silver-tongued. Very gold-throated as... Spurgeon once said of the Pope, he's a gold-throated devil. Very soothing, very lamb-like, brethren. This is the problem. When you and I see ravaging evil coming at us, we recognize it immediately. Oh, but when it's smoother and it looks a little bit different, it's a little harder to discern. And this is the great, again, one of his great deceptive ways that he is going to if you will, move in and take over. Despite his lamb-like appearance, though, and demeanor, he speaks, John says, like a dragon. He speaks like Satan. And again, brethren, this is important. His looks are one thing, but his words are another. Just like the dragon. Just like Satan. Which means, brethren, that his verbal instructions come from the evil one himself, from Satan himself. He's getting his verbal instructions from Satan himself, and he's just like Satan. It's a stunning thing. In spite of his deceptive appearance, the false prophet brother is no less a twofold child of hell, just like his father, the dragon, just like his brother, the beast. It's a stunning thing, brother for us to understand and get a hold of how crazy and how deceptive and how soothing this is all going to be with him. This is why, brethren, again, there's a great call to discernment. It didn't, didn't uh, <clears throat> in verse number 9, amen, remember what it says? If any man have an ear, let him hear, in verse 9. That's exactly what John said. There's a great call for discernment because of the deception that's coming. We must be very careful. In fact, look what he does. And again, brother, and this leads us to, to our point tonight, and it's 8 o'clock or a little after. But this is an important portion of Scripture that we must look at together. Look at verses 12 and 13. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great what? Wonders. That's an important word for us to consider. So he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Again, his deception is beyond measure here. 
Herein lies another unholy tactic of the second beast deception. Again, all of this is being laid out for us, brethren, so that we might be keenly aware. It's an amazing thing. And that he persuades people to worship the first beast by performing great wonders. He is indeed, as the Bible calls him, a wonder worker. You must be very careful. He is indeed. Herein also lies the Holy Writ's call for a spiritual discernment. If any man has an ear in verse number 9, let him hear. Throughout the pages, brethren, of sacred scripture, over and over and over again, God warns his people that they are to judge a worker of miracles if there is one such in the crowd. He is to judge a worker of miracles, as I said, by their message, not by what they see or perceive they see. This is so important, brethren, because, again, in Scripture we see this. And I want us to see this. I want you guys to see this together tonight. I read a book one time, and, again, this is so important. And uh, it was called Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. It's a, it's a good book if you want to read one concerning false miracles. And it is absolutely true that Our Lady of Fatima will show up at any given time, any given place. And she will say some of the most unbiblical things to the crowd. In fact, they're testing her in one particular instance. They were testing to see whether or not this spirit was really of God. And the spirit is telling them to do all kinds of unbiblical things. Stunning. Sprinkle water on me. They'd sprinkle water, holy water, and they'll, oh, see, I'm of God. Do some other unbiblical things and see, I'm of God. But as soon as they applied the biblical principle of 1 John chapter 4, where it says to test every spirit, and every spirit that denieth that Jesus comes in the flesh is not of God. And so when they asked the spirit, which was a demon, Do you believe Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is of God? Gone. You don't listen and watch what they're doing. You judge them based on the message. And I want you to see this. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 13. God warned us again, clearly, over and over again. And this is where people think we are harsh. Oh, you're so harsh. You're so dogmatic. You're so this. You're so that. Actually, no, we're so biblical. (laughs) That's amazing. As I often say, right? I I just want to be a biblicist. If the Bible says it, then I would like to study it and know it and learn it. I'd like to live that out in my life. I'd like to have it practically working out in my heart and in my life, just like you, brothers and sisters, would like. But look here. Look at this warning in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Don't pay attention to the miracles here. Pay attention to the message. This is exactly what this text is. Look at verse number one. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and that sign or wonder come to pass, oh yeah, that's why you can't look at what they're doing. You've got to listen to what they're saying. This is God's, if you will, his guard, his guide rails for us. Don't be deceived. What is the message here? 
this, this wonder comes to pass. And they see it. What's the message? Look at the message of the, the wonder, if you will, the wonder worker. What is it? Wherever he spake unto thee, and the sign and wonder come to pass, wherever he spake unto thee, saying, let us go after other gods. That's the message. That's the unholy, unbiblical message. The wonder took place. They're looking at the message. God says, you look at what they're saying. What are they, what's he saying? This false prophet is what? Leading the people of God, not to God, but away from God. Let us follow other gods. Even though the miracle took place and they saw it, don't pay any attention to it. Pay attention to the message. Look what it says. Which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth to know, proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. Verse 5, and that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he hath spoken in ter to turn you away from the Lord your God. That's the, 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 just the deceiving, cunning words. <laughs> Look what I can do. Look over here. Watch this miracle. It'll happen. It'll come to pass because it's demonic, which is then used to lead people away from God, which is, which is what churches are full of today. You can't even hardly talk to some of these people about biblical things because they're too busy looking around for the latest wonder or sign that's going to happen. And if, they, and if it doesn't happen, they're not sure if their relationship with God is right. This is how we know we're right with God. No, it's not. That's not how you know. Right here is how you know. What's the message? Is the Spirit of God in their messages many times bringing glory to Christ, which is what his main objective is, one of them? Is to what point people to Christ, bring glory to Christ? No, it's not. It's this woman angel and Emma and it's this and that, it's this and that, it's this and that, everything unholy. But they allegedly see these miracles and they are deceived. Brethren, this is most needful for us to get a hold of and understand. It is full even during our days. In fact, I want you to be careful here again at his deception. Look back at Revelation chapter 13. There's a word I want you to grab a hold of and see. What is the beast saying? <laughs> What's his message? There's a miracle that takes place, and all the world's standing there in the sight of men, and they see it. What exactly, after the miracle takes place, is his message? Look there at Revelation chapter 13. Look what his message is. The message of Satan, the message of his father, the message of his brother. Here it is. Look at verse 13. Uh, oh, excuse me, verse 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. What's that next word? Saying to them. He's speaking to them. He's giving them a message. The miracle is taking place. Now what's the message? The message is this, that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, 
which had the wound by a sword and did live. In other words, he's telling them, this miracle is proof that I'm going to lead you away according to what I'm saying from the true God of Scripture. This is what it is. This is how it's deceptive and cunning this really is, brother. This miracle happens. That's why I always tell people, what you do is you put, you know, horses, they put blinders on them. You know what I mean? When they're going down the road, they used to a lot. I don't know if they do anymore, but I know I had some friends that had horses, and they'd, they'd put them on there. You know why they'd put them on there? So they wouldn't see what was going on over here. Because they'd scare, they'd get spooked, they'd jump, they'd this and that. they put the blinders on them, and they would keep them straight. They would go straight down the road. Not seeing anything over here, just simply nose to the grindstone. And brethren, this is what John is saying. Don't watch what's going on over here. Pay attention to what's going on here. What does God's word say? What is it saying? And does it line up with holy, the words of God himself? That's what we're seeing. In fact, that word deceived is a most important word. It's a word that literally means to wander. It means to wander out of the way. And this is literally what this miracle is going to do. It's going to cause many to wander out of the way. In fact, if you look at verse 3, with connections to the first beast, look at what it says. And I saw, as, uh, and, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world did what? They wandered after the beast. They wandered out of the way by way of this miraculous miracle that they saw leading many away from God himself. Why is that? Because they validate their beliefs based on their experience. We talk about this a lot. They validate their beliefs based on their own personal experience rather than on the words of God, the Holy Scriptures. They are the ultimate brethren in postmodern thinking. That's what this is. It's a stunning thing. I can't harp, I'm not harping, I can't make this point enough for us, directly enough for all of us this evening. When they see the great wonders provided by this false prophet, brother, they easily succumb to the desired conclusion. And that is that, be, is that this beast is a god. And we will worship that god, not the god of holy. It is a stunning thing. In fact, in one more portion of Scripture, and we will we'll tie this up this evening, we won't get tonight to what I believe is the pinnacle of this deceiver's works. We will, Lord willing, next week. When he is given something that we find nowhere else in Scripture, the power by God to give this inanimate object, the image life. Think of that for a moment. Just think of the depth of what that is, what that means, the deceptive power of that. But it isn't just that. Look at 2 Thessalonians. We'll close with this. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Lord sovereignly at work. And again, brethren, it's the miracles, it's the message 
is what we must cling on to, cleave on to as Moses wrote in Deuteronomy. Cleave on to the Lord your God. Cleave on to him. Look there at verse number 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verse number 9. Even him who is coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and what? Flying wonders. There it is again. This is just amazing, isn't it, that God would warn us like he has and given us these scriptures to be able to look at this and go, I must be very, very discerning concerning this. Look at verse 10. And with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be what? Saved. In other words, they're believing the lying wonders and the false signs instead of the truth. Where they will be saved. Why is that? Listen, God is sovereign in all matters, all things. Look at verse number 11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a what? A lie. The message is foundational to everything. If the Lord moves and does some miraculous things in accordance with his scripture, in accordance with what he would do in a meeting when the word of God is being preached, amen. But it must always be undergirded, as we say over and over again, because, brethren, we have a tendency, if we're not foundational in the word of God, to wander out of the way. Yes, we do. God's people have always had that tendency. That's why he wrote Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5, 1 through 8, 1 through 10. This is why he wrote 2 Thessalonians, because we need to be keenly aware and discerning concerning the deceivableness and unholiness of this beast. We must, brethren, cleave to the Lord our God. We will indeed wander after a lie just as we see here in our text. All right, I need to bring this to a close. So let's, uh, let's just end there, and uh, Lord willing, we'll take up verse 15, the power. I want you to think about this for a moment. As I said while we close, I want you to ponder for a moment what it means <clears throat> that God would allow this beast to give life onto an inanimate object that then comes to life and speaks. And not only does he speak, but he's given power to kill those who will not worship its image. Think of that. Ponder on that for a moment. It'll make you get under your bed quick. It'll make you start sucking your thumb, as John MacArthur said, and quoting the Greek alphabet. Stunning that God, the, really, I believe the greatest thing that he's ever allowed the enemy to do is this. Because it's such a great deception. And it goes all the way back to where? <laughs> where does it go all the way back to, brother? And if I ask you tonight, where does it go all the way back to? Genesis chapter 3. The very beginning. Yea, hath God said. Amen? So practically speaking as we close, it's crazy to me. And it has always been crazy to me. And maybe it shouldn't be, but I've been blessed. I'll just be honest, brethren. I've been blessed. When the Lord first saved me, 
I sat under a man who was so sound in this matter. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. I've never struggled with some of the crazy charismatic stuff, and I know we've got brothers and sisters who the Lord has brought out of that sitting here tonight, even tonight. But I've never been involved in it. Never. You know why? Because the man whom the Lord brought into my life when I was first saved, when he first saved me, was a man who warned me about this very thing. It is the word, the words of God, that must always come first. Something happens over here, you glance and go, wow, and then you glance right back. Stay steadfast in the word of God, amen? If we don't wander from the word of God very far, as Spurgeon said, we won't wander very far, amen? And what a blessing. So let's, uh, let's pray together this evening. Father, we again rejoice in the truths that you have revealed here in the text. And Father, we know from the very beginning men, they have this <laughs> desire in them to worship In fact, when we go back even farther, the Ten Commandments. <laughs> oh my. We think of what's worn there. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. We move on to Deuteronomy chapter 12 and chapter 4. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. What does he remind the people of Israel about? You saw no similitude of me. None. And then he warns them, this is why. I don't want you worshiping the sun, moon, and the stars. Men have this innate desire within them to do that, to worship something. And yes, even way back in the beginning and even at the end now we get to the book of Revelation, men will worship something. And they will be deceived by the second beast, the false prophet, the smooth speaking lamb with two horns by these miracles of his. He will speak unto them, let's build an image like the first beast. Let us worship that. And Father, that is a deception that has plagued mankind from the beginning. Father, we pray for your wisdom. We pray for your protection. We pray that the word of God will be saturated deep down into our souls. That we will indeed put these blinders on and we will indeed build these sectarian walls around these important doctrines and that you father will give us the strength you will shot our feet give us the helmet the breastplate the belt and our feet shod that we might stand in the day of deception and the day of evil. 
Father, we love you now and thank you and pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.